Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. We've all heard the phrase, play to people's strengths before. What does that look like? And how can you leverage that to help your team perform at its best? We're going to find out as we watch the 11th episode of the second season of Star Trek The Original Series, The Deadly Years. The crew beams down to a planet for an annual check-in on a scientific expedition. We've got Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Chekhov, and some randos, including Lieutenant Galway. When they finally find the scientists, they're almost all dead. Death by natural causes, old age. The thing is, they ain't supposed to be old. They run into one of them still alive, but looking very, very aged, who says they're 29 years old. Wow. Good thing they check on these groups every year, huh? Well, they get back to the Enterprise and start researching what happened, but they're finding nothing. Everything appears normal. The only things of note are a comet that recently traveled through the system and the close proximity to the Romulan neutral zone. They've got a few people on board that they're transporting to Starbase 10. Commodore Stalker, a bureaucrat, and Janet Wallace, a scientist specializing in endocrinology and cell structure. Oh, and she also happens to be an ex-girlfriend of Captain Kirk's. How long has it been? Six years, four months, and an odd number of days. In that time, she married a scientist named Theodore, and he passed away. In meeting with them, Kirk says that his working theory right now is that this might be a new weapon of the Romulans. On the bridge, Spock, again, confirms there's nothing out of the ordinary that he can detect. But then things start looking just a little, well, looking a little off. Maintain standard orbit, Mr. Sunil. You already gave that command, sir. Oh? Well, follow it. Just as an aside, and maybe possible trigger warning, I don't know, get ready for some heavy stereotypes about people getting older. Well, the hits keep coming. Lieutenant Galway, who is on the mission, reports that she's having a hard time hearing. Kirk continues to repeat orders that he gave earlier. And McCoy starts graying at the temples. Bones, I believe you're getting gray. Scotty is fully gray and all wrinkled. 
and eventually we find out Kirk is developing advanced arthritis. Through the episode, all the away team members visibly age. It's early Star Trek old makeup. We get to see it. I think it might even be the first time. And the situation at this point is dire. Based on what Dr. McCoy gave me, I estimate that physically we each have less than a week to live. And their mental faculties will decline even more quickly than that. Interestingly, Chekhov isn't affected at all. He's actually doing great. After much research, Spock discovers the comet left a residue in the orbit of the planet that's likely causing this. McCoy and Janet Wallace go to work on trying to confirm this and see if they can reverse the process. We get more and more examples of the crew aging. Kirk is forgetful and at one point almost endangers the ship if not for Uhura. And due to the proximity of the Romulans, better use code too. But Captain, the Romulans have broken code too. It's a good thing she felt empowered to challenge him. Even with that though, Kirk is starting to become belligerent. He won't believe he's forgetting things and overcompensates with bravado. Eventually, Commodore Stalker feels he has no other choice than to relieve Kirk of duty, but Spock, as first officer, refuses to assume command since he's in pretty bad shape as well. So he has Spock convene a competency hearing. The crew begrudgingly give testimony about him forgetting or giving the wrong orders. And as expected, it does not go well for Captain Kirk. Commodore Stalker says, And I am a flag rank. I am forced by regulations to assume command. Now remember, Dude is a bureaucrat. He has never commanded a starship before. In the meantime, they do some problem solving. They figure out why Chekhov wasn't affected. He was the first to see the dead scientists, and when that happened, he freaked out and screamed. That pumped his adrenaline levels up, and they think that that's the secret. They go to work concocting a treatment from that. They test it out on Kirk, and... The aging process has stopped. It works! Commodore Stalker sets a course direct to Starbase 10, which will force them to cross the Romulan neutral zone. And almost immediately, things go south. I think we just made contact, sir. He's way out of his depth here and freezes, but they're firing on the Enterprise and it's not getting any better. When, all of a sudden, Kirk and Spock bust onto the bridge. He takes charge right away. We have a moment of pause. Open up a special channel to Starfleet Command. Code 2. If you remember, that's the code the Romulans busted. He sticks to it, though, and then sends a message saying he's going to self-destruct the Enterprise. Oh, I see, I see. He was being strategic. The Romulans hear the message and head for the hills. The Enterprise takes off at high speed for Starbase 10. He and the Commodore acknowledge the work they each did, and we get a quick quip, and we're on our way. Well, gentlemen, all in all, an experience we'll remember in our old age, which won't be for some while, I hope. It's a story we've seen so many times in different sci-fi shows and movies, unexpectedly getting old and the mystery of how to reverse it. Does Trek do it better than the other instances out there? Well, no, but it certainly doesn't do any worse. There are a few things about this episode I really like, though, but they might not have been what was intended in the episode itself. We get some awesome insight into Kirk in this one, and some of that, I believe, proves my point that Kirk is not necessarily the person that most people think he is. Come to Quark's glasses fun. Come right now. Go Quark. Run. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. According to pop culture, Captain Kirk is a bloviating, self-aggrandizing guy that tries to hook up with almost any woman within a two-light-year radius. And if we're being honest, paying attention to the actual portrayal of him on the show, this is just not true. I mean... There's stuff out there like this. Captain's log, stardate 23.9, rounded off to the nearest decimal point. We've traveled back in time to save an ancient species from total annihilation. So far, no signs of aquatic life, but I'm going to find it. If I have to tear this universe another black hole, I'm going to find it. I've got to, mister! But that's the parody, not the actual character. This isn't unheard of. Do you do you remember the year 2008? I know, that feels like it was, what, like 15 years ago? Oh, wait. Yikes. I guess it was. Well, way back in 2008, Sarah Palin was John McCain's running mate in the presidential election, the U.S. presidential election. It's a good reminder because I feel that our political landscape is such a different place than it was back then. Well, either way, at that time, one of the best parts of Saturday Night Live, and honestly still, it's always been its impressions of high-profile politicians, right? Dana Carvey's George Bush was incredible. Daryl Hammond as Bill Clinton was great, but maybe the most iconic, or, or the one that might have left the biggest mark on American culture, was Tina Fey as Sarah Palin. She was so dead on that Fox News used pictures of her instead of Palin in news stories. We even believed lines from SNL were actually spoken by the former governor of Alaska. The famous, I can see Russia from my house. That was Tina Fey, not Sarah Palin. But the media and pop culture ran with it. And to this day, according to a survey conducted by me about 18 minutes ago, two out of two people still think that Sarah Palin said that. So what does she have to do with a character portrayed in the late 1960s? The same thing has happened to Kirk. When people that aren't actively watching the original series and the episodes with that, when they think of Captain Kirk, they usually think of the version we see from Jim Carrey, Jason Alexander, maybe Seth MacFarlane. And those, my friends, those are just not how he is in the show. Case in point, as I bring this back around to the episode, is Kirk and Janet Wallace. Janet joins a surprisingly long line of old flames that lasted a long time. There's her, a real Shaw, and Carol Marcus come to mind immediately. Now, yes, throughout the series we see him kissing, I don't know, about 20 different women, but a lot of those came on to him, and in some cases it provided the distraction necessary to escape some sort of capture or some other dangerous thing. But so far, this doesn't sound too out of the ordinary especially for a leading man in a 1960s TV show. But if he's the uncontrollable bundle of predatory hormones that pop culture has made him out to be, I imagine he'd jump through any possible open door for what, what we'll call here intimate contact, right? Like, are we seeing this the same? Well, in this episode, 
Janet Wallace all but throws herself at Kirk. When I married Theodore Wallace, I thought I was over you. I was wrong. What are you offering me, Janet? Love? Or a going away present? And he not only refuses, but gets upset at the possibility that she's even possibly doing this out of pity. The Kirk that all these impressions would have you believe is real? He wouldn't have cared. So, thank you, the deadly years, for breaking down this stereotyped version of Captain Kirk. Two little things I've got to call out. The remaster on this is gorgeous. The footage of the Romulan attack, which is recycled from Balance of Terror, is amazing. Great ship design, fun angles, and perfect coloring. Also, seems the legendary guitar player Robert Johnson started working for Starfleet. I'm Robert Johnson. I went to the The thing this episode does, though, and to be fair, pretty much every TV show or movie that shows people getting older does this too, is make getting old look like you're all but guaranteed to lose yourself and your humanity. Depictions like this devalue older people. It makes it easier to treat them without dignity. This is especially poignant to me because I've done a lot of work in the long-term care industry to try and improve the quality of life and the most experienced people that are still alive. An alarming study from back around 2011 showed that less than 46% of people in nursing facilities ever receive a visitor. That's half. Half of the people that are older and receiving long-term care are basically dumped off at a facility and just left there. It's heartbreaking. Imagine yourself, right? You're maybe, I don't know, 78 years old and your only human contact during the day is the shift nurse that you see for maybe an hour throughout the entire day. That, that sounds like a living hell to me. And the way aging is shown in this episode, that's part of what makes us think it's okay to treat people like that. Now, do our bodies break down as we get older? Yes. Does our short-term memory diminish? For some, yeah. Do we, do we tend to get kind of stuck in our ways? Sometimes. But this episode makes it look like we physically and mentally fall apart while becoming angry, aggressive, and arrogant. Maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe I'm looking for more to be offended about than I should be. I just really wish this episode would have shown us how vibrant older people can be, how full of life so many people are. Instead, after watching this, the last thing I ever want to do, if, if it happens in real life, like it does here on the Enterprise, or on Gamma Hydra 2, I'm... Yikes, I mean, four. <laughs> yeah, I want absolutely nothing to do with it. Command codes verified. Play to your strengths. We've all heard the phrase before, and there's a reason why. Knowing your strengths and the strengths of the people on your team is critical to your success. When you know them, you can not only take on and delegate the tasks people can handle, but you'll also know just how much you can push them to help them develop. But it all starts with awareness. I'm going to talk through what both Captain Kirk and Commodore Stalker did in this episode and how that demonstrates this point. I'm also going to break down old Kirk's behavior and how important humility is in effective leadership. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support the ongoing production of this podcast. I have one really quick thing I want to bring up first. Commodore Stalker. 
This was such a cool dynamic that we see again in Star Trek The Motion Picture. The idea of being a bureaucrat, a paper pusher, being stuck behind a desk instead of being out on the front lines. Way back when I was managing movie theaters, the corporate office came out quarterly to do audits and then they also came out various other times throughout the year just to, I don't know, see operations or or whatever they wanted to do. (laughs) Uh, I would get so frustrated with them. They'd come out wearing their suits, their ties. They'd cite chapter and verse or, or reference a page in the handbook when doing walkthroughs and watching the facility in action. And while I'm saying things like, oh, thank you for that. And, oh, that's an excellent point. I'll be sure and reinforce it. What I'm thinking is you have no idea what reality is like. I'd like to see you spend an opening day of a huge blockbuster here and just see how well your little handbook holds up then. Huh corporate. Fast forward to now. I work with administrative programs now, support programs. Because of my position, I get to go into the field frequently for feedback and to see things in action. And I will never forget a moment back, I don't know, a couple years ago. I'm standing at the desk of one of the frontline workers, the people, you know, the people doing the real work of our company. And I ask, I ask some dumb question about, I don't know, procedure or something like that. They pause and then give me the rote by the book answer. And it was the pause, not the answer, but the pause that punched me in the gut. I realized that I had become the thing I hated more than anything else. The thing I had railed against, I, Jeff Aiken, I was corporate. So after that, I always try to keep that front of mind in everything that I and my teams do as a support program. I love that they introduced this concept with Commodore Stalker. Dude has been corporate his whole career and now finds himself in the field with the people doing the real work of Starfleet, and it is a stark wake-up call for him. For the crew of the Enterprise, the stuff going on is dangerous and scary, but it's also, it's, it's just kind of what they do. For Stalker, this is wild, and then, then things keep getting worse. We get to the point of the episode where he ends up taking command of the ship, and, and we're going to talk about a lot of that later on, but here I want to highlight the cool things he did leading to him taking command. He acknowledges the importance and the value of Kirk and the others affected by the aging. And this is very important. He takes responsibility, personal responsibility for what he did. I have had to resort to these legal grounds in order to save the lives of some very valuable members of the Starfleet. The Responsibility of this hearing is mine. It would have been really easy for him to pawn this off on regulation or some unseen corporate out there, but instead he owns it. This shows tremendous professionalism and humility on his part. Keep keep that humility idea tucked in the back of your head. We're also going to be hitting on that in a little bit. Part of what made this episode so compelling was that there wasn't a clear solution to the problem, so no one person or team was able to dive into it on their own. This took a lot of people that are highly competent and took them out of their comfort zones, took them beyond their skill sets. Of course, we we add in the whole thing with everybody getting old and boom, we've got a sci-fi episode. There were some key things, though, that made everything work in this situation. First, everybody was aware of everyone else's skills, their strengths and their weaknesses or, or opportunities for growth or improvement if you're, if you're not comfortable with saying weakness. But early on in the episode... There was this incredible scene. At the point that this comes up, all we knew was that the scientists on the planet had aged quickly and died. 
The symptoms hadn't started in the crew yet. So to them, this was just another week on board the Enterprise. Weird anomaly, do science, figure it out, on to the next adventure. But in this scene, Kirk has pulled his team together, and they're going through the problem. I love this. Kirk's asking questions, engaging everyone in the discussion, and trying to determine actions they can take to help figure out what's going on. This is just great leadership. He's not telling people what to do. In fact, other people are doing most of the talking. And as a side note, that's a great gauge of the value of your interactions with your team. Who's doing most of the talking? Almost all the time. It should be the person you are supporting. As the leader, you listen, validate, and provide guidance on next steps. The harsh reality, the bitter pill that we all need to get used to swallowing is that almost no one wants us to solve their problem. No, they already know how to solve it. They just need to be listened to, heard. Through your listening and asking questions, because you're curious, you help them figure out what they already know. I know I just said this was going to be a side note, but now I'm going. At the time I'm recording this, December of 2023, Microsoft has been tweaking Teams a lot. And in my opinion, it's not going smoothly. That said, a lot of the new features are amazing. One of them, which is a feature that's actually been available in Jitsi Meet for quite some time, is tracking speaker time. The percentage of the meeting and the time that each person spent talking. I I love this. I've been gathering this data since it rolled out, and I'm going to set it as a performance target for the managers I work with. For most meetings, one-on-one specifically, they should be talking less than like, I don't know, we'll see what the data says, but less than like a third of the time, something like that. So, okay, let me get back on track. We're not here to solve other people's problems, right? We are here to listen and help them solve their own problems. As Kirk brings everyone together, this is exactly what he's doing. Asking questions and letting his team, the experts, do what they do. As the facilitator here, the leader, the other part of his job is to see the big picture. Take what he's heard and and basically connect all the dots. Dr. Wallace, as an expert in endocrinology, I'd appreciate you working very closely with Dr. McCoy. That's what he's doing here. He's gathered the pieces from the meeting, added in the strengths and skill sets of the people at the table, and paired Janet and McCoy off. Their skills are complementary, and based on their discussion, medical science seems to be the way to go while Spock dives into all the other stuff. This is the art of leadership. This is a place where you want to be just like Captain Kirk. Listen. Ask questions that help the people on the team get their ideas out. Pay attention to all the pieces of the puzzle, the ideas shared, the strength and expertise of the people, and then put it all together. (laughs) It's so simple. The idea of knowing strengths isn't just about our teams, though. It also applies to us. Self-awareness is such an important skill for people, leaders specifically. Know what your strengths and weaknesses are. This helps you see what you need to work on and develop, and it also shows you what you should and shouldn't be doing in high-profile, high-tension crisis situations. Earlier, I praised Commodore Stalker for taking personal responsibility for taking command of the ship. That was great. Moments after taking command, though, he is in way over his head. He disregards the Romulan neutral zone, and the Enterprise is getting overwhelmed in an attack because of that. To his credit, 
He's very open about being in over his head. What am I going to do? But he freezes and fails to ask for help. We're all going to find ourselves in this situation. It's understandable to step into something that you think you should be able to do, even though you really don't. Heck, I mean, it's dramatically lower stakes than this, but that was me when I started this podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. I was in way over my head. The difference between Stalker and me, though, is I saw when I needed to ask for help. He just froze. The takeaway from this one's pretty simple, but it's honestly not easy to do. Know what you can and cannot do and ask for help when you're out of your depth. Easy, right? What does it take to do that, though? It's more than self-awareness. Stalker had the awareness for sure, but he didn't do anything about it in the moment. What would he also need to have in order to ask for help? To maybe ask Sulu to take the chair, for example. You know, the dude that takes command just about every time Kirk, Spock, or Scotty are on an away mission? Like, for real. The answer is literally sitting directly in front of him. Ah, All right, that aside. The thing that Stalker would need is humility. The awareness to see you're in the deep end and the humility to do something about it. This episode gave us an interesting look into humility through Captain Kirk. As great as he was in that briefing, listening to everyone and bringing them together, this part, much later in the episode, was not a good look for him at all. The first look we got at him aging was when he got frustrated when Sulu called him out on repeating an order, and that escalated through the rest of the episode. As his memory slipped more and more, he became more and more defensive and belligerent. To him, It wasn't that he was making mistakes, it was that other people were being disrespectful to him and losing faith. He made it about them instead of about him. This continues through the episode and culminates in his competency hearing. He insists everyone else has the problem and refuses to see the reality of the situation. Go ahead, ask me questions. Show you what I'm capable of, there's nothing wrong with my memory. Go ahead, ask me anything. We're in orbit around Gamma Hydra 2, right? A lot more to running a starship and answering all the fool questions. A lot more. Yikes. That's a dude that is not willing to hear anything that goes against the story he tells himself. With that, I think we should look at what it means to have humility as a leader. To be humble. Like, we hear and likely say that a lot. Humility, right? But what does it actually mean? I believe humility is a lot of skills coming together, specifically self-awareness, like we've talked about, having an openness to receiving feedback, having the ability to admit your mistakes, being approachable, giving credit and taking blame, and finally, having empathy. I'm sure there are others, but I despise long lists, and these are the skills that come to mind right away. So I want to rewrite this a little bit and sprinkle in a little bit of humility. Kirk is in the hearing, and they ask him if he wants to make a statement. First, he uses his self-awareness to see that he isn't capable of commanding the starship anymore. Part of how he came to that conclusion would be his openness to feedback. He would have listened and heard it when Sulu, Uhura, and Spock, and others, called him out for making mistakes. They called him out, or would have called him out, because he has been open and approachable. He would have taken that feedback to heart, and in his statement admitted that he had made mistakes instead of arguing with everyone. He would have gone on to praise the crew for calling him out, and because he had the empathy needed to be humble, he would have thanked them for that feedback. What a difference that would have made. 
Instead of building everything up to a win or lose conflict, he would have been part of the solution. To my earlier point, when stepping down and hearing that Spock also couldn't take command, like, like, yeah, Spock totally did this. When he told Stalker he couldn't take command, he showed all of these traits. He showed real humility. If Kirk had done that, he could have told Stalker that Sulu was a capable commander. They would have totally avoided the battle with the Romulans, and the day still would have been saved. Knowing your team's strengths as well as your own, along with the humility to accept and act on those, will go a long way in building up your team and making you a highly effective leader. Thank you to everybody that shared the podcast with their friends and colleagues last time. I could see the spike in listeners, and I appreciate it so very much. Star Trek paints a picture of a better and brighter future. It's one of the reasons I love the series so much. It gives hope that even through our conflicts, we can and will be okay, and even better. The thing is, though, to get there, we're going to need different leadership than what we have today. The leadership of yesterday will never take us into the future, and that's what we've been trying for far too long. I started this podcast to move that needle, to start developing leaders that lead differently, that lead in a way that will take us to a better future, to a Star Trek future. By listening to this, you're already helping make that happen. To help even more, share the show. Share it with other leaders you work with. Share it, share it with your boss. If they listen to this, I imagine that's just going to make your life that much smoother. You can share by clicking the share button in your podcast app or sharing the social media. I'm on Twitter and Mastodon at SFLA Podcast and Instagram and threads at Jeff T. Aiken. That's Jeff T. as in Theodore Wallace, A-K-I-N. Computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. The ninth episode of the fourth season of The Next Generation, The Final Mission. I remember this one as the time Picard and Wesley Crusher have to tread through a desert. This episode is about real survival, lives on the line, and next to no resources. We'll have a lot to dive into in this one, and I can't wait to watch it with you. And until then, ex astra scientia. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Electric acid.